0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, Bills Mafia. Welcome to another episode of the Mafia Mavens podcast, a Buffalo Bills podcast from an all-female perspective. I'm your host, Danielle, and joining me is my co-host, Robin. Hey, Robin. Hey. Today, we are very excited to talk about the 44 to 34 shellacking the Bills put on Seattle Seahawks. However, before we start, we do want to talk about something that happened before the game. It's not football-related, but I do find that it's something that I kind of really want to talk about because it affected me in a big way. Today, the host of Jeopardy!, Alex Trebek, passed away at the age of 80. Now, we know that last year he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, which is something that most of us Bills fans kind of know about, and it touches home for us because of Poncho. When I was younger, my dad, my mom, and I would sit around and gather every night and watch jeopardy and I would keep score, and it would be one point for each question that we got correct, and then you know by the end of it, we would see who would win. We'd have guests stay with us, they'd have to participate in Jeopardy. you know it was such a big thing for us, such a bonding experience and. Alex Trebek, from everything that I've heard, was such a wonderful man and into all kinds of charities. I always thought he was just so consistent. You know, he just always gave the perfect answers, mild mannered, very professional, someone that anyone can look up to. So when I heard the news today before the game, it just had such a big effect on me. 2020 has been a heck of a year. And that kind of was the icing on the cake, but in a bad way. If that makes sense, I just wanted to bring it up and kind of talk about it just a little bit and give him some remembrance because I think it's something that he truly deserves.
1: That's such a beautiful story. And I'm grateful that you shared it because I think there are a lot of people who would listen to this story and very much relate to what you're saying. Alex Trebek was like a cultural icon almost. And he was such a fighter. And I say that because, and we know this about Pancho Villa as well, pancreatic cancer carries usually a very poor prognosis, especially if the disease has spread before it's diagnosed. It's almost impossible to cure at that point. And many times people will be diagnosed sometimes just weeks before they pass away. So when I first found out that this is what he had, I was like, oh, like you said, you know, felt like you lost somebody who was an important part of your childhood growing up. And he fought that disease tooth and nail. I was shocked when he came back to work. I was absolutely shocked. And so it's such a testimony, isn't it, to his strength and his character? He was a fighter. He will be missed.
0: I'm glad we got to talk about him a little bit and, again, give him some remembrance on our podcast because it's not going to be the same without him. All right. It kind of feels weird a little bit, switching gears from such a somber topic to a really good one. But I think that, again, has kind of been the mantra for 2020 in general. Josh Allen. He went 31 of 38, 415 yards. If he just had one more yard, this could have been his highest passing game of the season and ever. He had four total touchdowns, three passing, one rushing. Zero interceptions. Had a 138.49 passer rating. Diggs Had 118 yards, Brown 99, Davis 70. He really spread the ball. He also took seven sacks and was pressured quite a bit at certain points of the game, but didn't fumble. My question to you is, was this Josh Allen's best game of his career?
1: Boy, that's a tough one, you know, and isn't it a pleasure to have to pick a few instances out of your head to figure out whether or not this one is the best one or that one is the best one and he's in his third year i think we're really fortunate you know arguably it could be you know he's had some darn good games but this game and you know we'll get into this into some depth but this game was a little different and for one thing it was it was different in terms of lopsided i think we had what total of 34 yards rushing on 19 carries, so I guess we shouldn't be surprised. We should be glad that that he threw for over 400 yards. But you would hope he would if there was only 34 yards rushing. I thought the game for Josh went very well. He was focused. He didn't come out with the heebie-jeebies. I thought he looked consistent throughout the game. I thought the receivers. And he did, as you said, he really spread the ball around. I thought the receivers did a good job of of getting open. But Josh, he was really on it. He was on his game today. The one touchdown pass that he had to Gabriel Davis was a thing of beauty. Oh, my goodness. When he kind of jumped up in the air a little bit and then he fastballed it into Davis, that throw very few quarterbacks make.
0: That's the truth. And the interesting thing, I believe, and now keep in mind that our podcasts are kind of now a reaction podcast because we're recording this pretty much right after the game, like an hour or two after the game. So I haven't had time to review much or look at anything, but I do remember on that play to Gabriel Davis, I believe there was somebody that came open on the, in the end zone on the left side of the field. And I can't even remember who it was at this point, but like it would have been a much easier touchdown. And the fact that he chose to just bullet that thing in there to Gabriel Davis shows just how far he's come. That was a great throw and a great catch. So yeah, I agree there. I definitely agree. I kind of think even though he's had, several games this year with over 300 yards, the Miami game where he was over 400 yards passing. He's also had a lot of fourth quarter come from behind victories, game-winning drives, that kind of thing. But I think that this game was his best game. And the reason for that is because, first of all, we know that Seattle's offense is the best in the league. I don't know if we can argue too much there or at least one of the best they're high powered Russell Wilson is amazing DK Metcalf is amazing it's a big deal so I think that Josh Allen would have come into this game knowing that he has to pretty much be on on every single drive they're going to have to try to come away with points on every single drive and mostly touchdowns because it's you know, they're probably coming into this thing it's going to be a shootout. And that doesn't even say anything about our defense. That's just how fantastic that Seattle's offense has played this whole entire season. So he already comes into that with that in mind. But the second part of that is, like you said, there was no run game. They knew that he was going to pass the ball and they couldn't stop him. Yeah, you know, Seattle's defense one of the worst in the league. There's a big disparity between their offense and their defense. But again, it's a week-to-week league. You don't know what they're going to come out with. And we also had the issues on the offensive line. Mitch Morse was out at center. And then Darrell Williams, Brian Winters, Cody Ford, they all get injured to some degree during the game and have to sit out at certain times. Cody Ford, I don't believe, even came back.
1: There was so much. It's a good point that you brought up because in – I'm sure we'll talk about this more when we get into the defense and that sort of thing, but the penalties, some of the penalties, and you, you know, you know how you and I get about these penalty mm-hmm. things. We don't like these penalty things that they got, these guys get into. They had what, six penalties for 70 yards today. I mean, it was like ridiculous. So what we have to do is look at what happened on offensive line and say, okay, it's like plug and play. We don't have the same five players from game to game, let alone inside the middle of one game we're shoveling players in and out. It's a good thing we have a deep offensive line bench. I think that our administration is very good at identifying the fact that you're going to need to have seven or eight offensive linemen that can play well in this league because they were on it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it took them, you know, certain points. There were some penalties. I think the penalties even can be attributed to having a gel and having a lot of backups come in off the bench and play. So it was frustrating. And I know I texted you and I was like, oh, these penalties. But at the same time, yeah, I can understand a little bit too. So it's not that big of a
1: deal. We'll cut them some slack this week.
0: This week they get some slack because there were plenty of times when they gave him It seemed like 20 years to throw the ball. So I'm okay with it. (laughs) So after the game, it was brought to our attention that something devastating actually happened to Josh Allen last night. At the age of 80, his grandmother unexpectedly passed away. And Sean McDermott had asked Josh Allen if he still wanted to play this game. And he said, yes. So that's something that we didn't know at all before the game even started and that he played through. I want to know, what is your opinion of how much that affected Josh Allen's gameplay today?
1: I think it was remarkable. Again, we see this young man, 24 years old, And very close. This is, you know, families are all different. Some families are very close, some families are not so much. But you can tell from listening to Josh talk about his family how close they all are. And I know that his grandparents would attend games even at the University of Wyoming when Josh was playing there. And so, this loss of a grandparent, especially when it's unexpected, you know, if someone, has cancer, for example. And this was something as an oncology nurse that I tried to help people realize that even though cancer is a terrible thing, a cancer diagnosis will give you time to reflect and put your affairs in order, usually. And that's very important. But when someone dies unexpectedly, you know, it catches you off guard. And I'm sure for Josh at 24, like a lot of people at 24, it may be your first experience losing a close relative, a grandparent, that sort of thing. It's rough. And you never know how somebody's going to react in terms of their functionality. In other words, I think it was wise. And of course, you would expect that Sean McDermott would sit with Josh and ask him how he's feeling if he wasn't feeling like his emotions were in check or he was able to focus, he would have sat out the game. But apparently he said he wanted to play and he did. And you and I talked about this a little bit before we recorded. Josh looked a little different during this game. When he came out, he was focused. You and I've chuckled about him getting jacked up so much, you know, at the start of games. He didn't seem to be jacked up at all. In fact, in the tunnel, I think I heard when he was talking to the players, you know, giving them their little speech they do before they go out of the tunnel, he sounded different. He was more focused. He wasn't swearing. I have to laugh when they do those because they bleep out half of them and you can't even figure out what they're saying. But I could also hear Cole Beasley saying, I love you, Josh Allen. Those kinds of things, they mean a lot. And it was obviously an emotional game for him because of the touchdown that he scored and pointed up to the heavens. You know, it had to be a very emotional moment. Of course, none of us knew at the time what he was thinking and feeling, but we can imagine now what he must have been thinking and feeling. And it's amazing to see how players can use tragedy to focus their attention you and I mentioned Brett Favre in the game that he played some years ago when his father died the day before, and he had a career you know, game for a Hall of Fame quarterback. Josh coming out and doing what he did doesn't surprise me at all. This is the kid that you and I have talked about in terms of having it together inside of his head. He knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to play. You know, he wanted to honor his grandparent, and boy, did he ever do that
0: most certainly. You know that she was looking down on him and cheering right along with the rest of his family and just super excited that he had pretty much a career day. But I think to your point, I remember right after the game, I think Fox did a quick little interview with him. And it was just odd because he just seemed somber and even keeled and A lot of players refer to Josh as, you know, the goofy kid, and he always seems to be smiling and laughing and joking around, especially after a win like that. But he was just sort of, he didn't seem to smile much at all during, I don't even remember if he did smile during the interview. And it was kind of these answers that were almost hollow, like, I already know what I'm going to say, I'm kind of just going to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of very
1: practiced
0: mm-hmm. almost, or just very odd for Josh in general because he's very good at improvising. And whether that be a game or that be an interview, it's kind of the person that he is. So today felt a little strange for me, but I didn't know anything. I just thought, well, you know, it was a hard game. He did get knocked around a lot. He's probably tired, that kind of thing, until afterwards when we saw. That his grandmother had passed. And I think you also said during that tunnel video, and I actually didn't see it. You know, I usually do. But you said that he didn't swear in it. He didn't. It's not that he swears a lot, but usually during videos, you hear him real amped up and, and kind of getting the guys going with a swear word or two. And you said he didn't. So yeah, that absolutely was for his grandmother right there. And the whole entire game, he played for his grandmother. I don't think that I could do that. I don't think I could come in after someone had just passed away that was, I was really close with mm-hmm. and play and focus and do the kinds of things that he did. That's another reason I think this was his best game. He was playing through heartache, guys.
1: Definitely. He was playing
0: through a heartbreak and he played one of his best games ever. So that, that to me already just bumps it up to, yeah, this is the best game he's ever played. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, now let's shift our focus to the defense because they had an incredible day. A real bounce-back performance from certain games that we've seen this season.
1: We certainly saw games that were much worse than this one, although I I do have to laugh because I thought this was one of the defense's best games. And they let 33 points get scored against them. Usually you don't win those games.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's the Seahawks, so it's different, right? And some of those scores kind of felt garbage-timey to me, so I'm like, eh, again. And remember, Trey White had gone out. Um, I don't think he was in for that, that one touchdown there.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: I think it was the fourth down touchdown towards the end. I don't think he was in. I think that was when he got hurt. I don't think he did he even come back in at that point.
1: I don't think so. I think Dane Jackson came in for him, but this is, these are Trey White's stats, which just knocked my socks off. Eight tackles, six solo, one tackle for a loss, one fumble recovery, and an interception. That's a good day. And
0: almost a pick six. Let's not forget that. You know, I saw people tweeting kind of. Boy, again, the negative Nancy sometimes in in Bills fandom. But I saw people tweeting, where the heck is Trey White? Boy, he hasn't done anything and he was covering DK Metcalf. I mean, that guy, ugh, I don't care what anybody says. To me, he's like the best receiver, the most physical receiver in the entire league. The guy is just
1: he's the he's Megatron 2.0 as they
0: say. So, you're going to complain because all right, well, let's let's take a look at Russell Wilson's stats a little bit. <laughs> he was 28 for 41. Meh. 390 yards. You would think that that would, you know, he had a fantastic day. He took five sacks. So the defense was bringing it home and bringing the pressure. He was knocked down, including the sacks, 16 different times today. <laughs> he had two touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions and two fumbles lost. The defense just swarmed Russell Wilson. And I'll be honest, I didn't even know if they would get a sack today because he's a mobile quarterback and he's very good at what he does and he can get that ball out pretty fast as well. So I was like, "Mm," I was a little skeptical. The fact that they had five I just that blows my mind. They they played their minds out today.
1: They really did play well and it's it's hard to imagine seriously to have that many yards, 390 yards passing against you isn't a great day any way you look at it, but the turnovers I think were the key to this game because we didn't make them and they did and we capitalized on them. And you know, we didn't always get a touchdown, but we capitalized on him and we took time off the clock. That's the thing that I was waiting for at the end of the game. I kept thinking, okay, now they're going to come out and run the ball and run the clock down. Well, they didn't, they just kept hurling that thing left and right. And I admire Brian Dayball so much because of the way that he changes the game plan from week to week. And you just never know what to expect. It, it's what we got frustrated with when, when the Patriots did that to the Bills so many times over the years, and now we're on the offensive in that regard. But the turnovers were the biggest thing that I think pivoted the game in the Bills' direction. But the one thing I want to say that, that struck me about this game was the fact that this might be the best game they've put together this season in terms of offense, defense, and special teams altogether. Because it seems like in the first four weeks, the offense was playing great. The defense was sputtering. Special teams was just kind of going along. But I was waiting for the kind of game like we had today where the Bills came out and they dominated the game from start to finish and they played all three phases of the game well. Totally.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking. And there was even a point during this game where... The offense was starting to sputter but then the defense was playing really well yep and you're just like can they ever just put it together and it's been like that for a while with the bills because I've been saying this for I feels like a million years I don't know but it was can they put it together and they did they did and special teams Andre Roberts he only had two returns but they went for a total of 80 yards. He had that that 60 yarder to open up mm-hmm. the game, and I think you said earlier, you know, that was pivotal. That was kind of a statement right from the get go, and they just kept their feet on the gas. And his average, okay, there was only two returns, but 40 yards. Yeah, that's a big deal. That really helped us with field position, which is something that we certainly needed against the Seahawks offense. So we were just in all three phases were absolutely. Incredible today.
1: It was fun to watch. It was a fun game to watch. And I hope we can have some carryover into next week. But this was a statement game. It was a very important game for the Bills to have under their belt. Now they know that they can actually have a game where they function, you know, in all three phases of the game and we see what they can do. It really got to the point where our offense was like, Pick your poison. (laughs) You know, good luck because everybody was on their game today. You know, running backs, wide receivers, Croft scores a touchdown. There was something for everybody. And that's the other thing that you just love to see is that the players all get to, you know, they get their fair share. I think that Josh does a really good job of distributing the ball all across the offense. And you have to be happy to see that because what, two years ago, it was pretty slim pickings along the wide receiver line. It
0: certainly was. And now we have just absolute stars on on that for wide receivers. And it's just such a strange feeling, but I'm here for every minute of it. So I heard you just say that this was a statement win for the Buffalo Bills. Why do you think that?
1: Well, I know a lot of people say it didn't really matter that much because it was an NFC game, blah, blah, blah. Okay, the bottom line is it's another game where you have to laugh. All the analysts picked Seattle to win and all the Bills did was go out and dominate the game and show everybody why they will not be ignored and go away. Uh, The other thing, this was the breakout game that we needed in terms of turnovers. Because until this game, they've been few and far between. Being able to connect on offense, defense, turning the ball over, getting good field position, all the way around, I think this is a statement game. I think it's a big game because now we've put the asterisk down or the exclamation point down and said, we're not going to be ignored. We're not going away, you know. What I really joke about with national analysts is they're all on the Bills bandwagon when they have games like these. But the minute they have a bad game, they flee like cockroaches when you turn on the light. Who's really with this team? Well, we know Bills Mafia is, and the bottom line is that these players are saying and making a statement that they will not be forgotten.
0: That's so funny that you say it that way, that they flee like cockroaches, because that's what it is. They just, they back down all of a sudden. Uh Uh-oh, maybe, well, you know what? Maybe they have a little PTSD like Bill's fans do. Well, they look good, but I don't know. So, I mean, you can't blame them, but it's time to put some respect on their name. And, you know, the other thing is with Alan, it was a statement win because, again, he was sacked seven times. And I think I saw a stat out there that, in any game that the Bills quarterback has been sacked like six or seven times, we've lost those going all the way back to like 1996. Wow, Something like that. It was crazy. I don't, I don't even remember who, who said it at this point because I see so much stuff. But yeah, it was something pretty pretty wild. So we overcame all of that. Josh Allen didn't even have a turnover. You know how he's known for fumbling. He didn't even he didn't lose the ball.
1: He's gotten better about hanging on to the ball
0: especially after getting hit that much. I mean, he's, he's starting to really get used to it, I think. But, <laughs> you know, just getting hit and hanging on, he's, he's getting good at that. But the other thing, too, is that Sean McDermott isn't well-known as a coach who beats playoff teams, so if we're being honest, right? Right. We're kind of the team that's good enough to beat bad teams but not good enough to beat good teams. The fact that we were able to go out there, and I feel like it was solidly handled, Most of the game and like I said, Russell Wilson's stats, the score, a lot of those things don't really reflect how how far kind of we were ahead in that game. So we did it and we got over that hump. And then a lot of I can't say, Oh, well, they haven't been a good team. They haven't been a playoff team. They haven't been well, guess what? We beat the MVP. We handled all three phases of football. You know, keep coming. You know, Josh Allen hasn't had a 300-yard game. You know, the defense has kind of regressed since last season. They haven't beaten anybody good. They haven't beaten a playoff team. Keep coming because every time the media says something like that, the Bills go out and do it. We haven't beaten the Patriots. Well, we did. We've done all that. I mean, there's not much more to do except for go out there and win a playoff game, which I believe they will. So, yes, was this a statement game for the Buffalo Bills? it most certainly was the statement game for the Buffalo Bills. I want to give a game ball. Okay, We haven't done that this year. And we said Josh Allen played really great. We know Andre Roberts was a big part of that team win. But I feel like the game ball should go to AJ Klein because he was all over. He had five tackles, one for a loss. And this is Sal Capaccio actually tweeted this out. So kudos to him for sharing that information two sacks four quarterback hurries one forced fumble one fumble recovery and one pass breakup he i I can't say enough about holy crap this guy goes from kind of just being tortured by bill's mafia all season and saying that he hasn't played well and where is he and cut him and this and that to hey he might just be the afc defensive player of the Week. Why do you, what happened? What do you think happened with him that he just came out? It was like his coming out day for the Bills.
1: Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have been talking all season about how the defense hasn't really found its identity. And I got to thinking about that and about how in the league, It was kind of unexpected, but the offenses were playing better than the defenses in the earlier part of the season. And now it seems like it has taken a long time, but our defense, the Bills' defense, is starting to find itself. And AJ Klein is interesting. We have to remember this is, even though he's been in the system, he hasn't been with the Bills. So he's still kind of a new player. Then you have. Milano in, Milano out. Milano in, Milano out. The configurations change. There hasn't been a lot of stability in a lot of the positions, you know, across the team. But linebackers have been going in and out. Delshawn Phillips just coming back. I think it takes time to get kind of the mojo going. And I think for Klein, he's kind of settling in. And I do think it makes a difference that we didn't have any preseason games this year. I just really do. And I know Sean McDermott would, would probably smack me down to hear me say this because he's sick and tired of hearing excuses and blah, blah, blah. But I do think it's taken some of the players well into halfway through the season for them to start hitting their stride.
0: Someone else who looked really good today was Tremaine Edmonds. He looked almost like his form last year. And that has to do with, I guarantee the injury, because he didn't look like he was so, you know, gingerly trying to tackle someone. He was hitting hard today. So I think it felt better. I think that's a big part of it. Also, the same thing, I think, with Josh Allen. His shoulder felt better, and and it's taking a while for these players to heal. And that's, I think, what it boils down to. Jermaine Edmonds played better. AJ Klein played better. They played better together.
1: He did. Tremaine, I want to just point out, had 11 tackles, eight solo, one sack, two tackles for a loss, one pass defended. That is by far his best game of the season, I'm sure, when you put it all together. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that he's finally starting to play through, you know, every week his shoulder heals a little more and it's starting to show he's, he's starting to take better angles. Um, Yeah. it, It seems like he's really starting to bring it all together. So yeah, you know, this defense, they, they played lights out today. The other thing
0: too, with Tremaine Edmonds is we had also talked about how we weren't sure if he was ready for the role of being a leader, but you know, maybe now that he knows that Matt Milano is going to be out for a little while, at least three games, mm-hmm. he's probably putting it together mentally like, OK, I can do this. I'm healing. I have to do this. You know, Matt Milano's out. I have to be the rock of this defense. And maybe he's starting to come into that role a little bit. So and that could have helped AJ Klein as well.
1: The other thing that I noticed, as far as the leadership thing goes, and that's a really good point that you brought up in terms of the pressure that he was feeling. You can notice that as as Jerry Hughes has been becoming out of the closet more as a, a vocal leader on defense. I think he's taking some of that leadership pressure off of Tremaine, and he's stepping up to the plate. And I think that's a tremendous thing to have happen. And one other thing, speaking of Jerry Hughes. Did you just about crack up? Gary showed up on the field again, didn't he?
0: He certainly did. I think that's what I was, another thing I was going to say about Jerry Hughes is that he had an amazing game too. And he had, I think, the strip sack. And then on the interception in the beginning of Poyer, when he intercepted Russell Wilson in the end zone, I think it was Jerry Hughes that brought the pressure mm-hmm. that probably caused that interception or helped cause it. So. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you, I don't know. If this defense is returning to, you know, even slightly its form of last year or how it was last year, then watch out because these bills are going to be just dangerous on all three sides of the ball. And I'm excited. I think we have a really good second half of the season coming up.
1: Ooh, I am so excited.
0: Me too. So before we go, make sure that you head on over to buffalorumblings.com and take a listen to some of our podcasts on the network because they're absolutely fantastic and so diverse. Those podcasts are Believe, Blitz Bills, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Code of Conduct with Jay Spence, The Bruce Exclusive, The Buff Hub, Jamie D, Big Newt, The Mafia Mavens, and Circling the Wagons. As always, Bills fans, thanks for listening. Seven and two for the first time since 1993, the Super Bowl year, one of them. And let's go Buffalo.